When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger. I'm joined, as always, by Billy Muzio. And today, I was actually shocked by this. This is Andrew Erickson's first time on a Player Profiler podcast. Andrew, you're, you're, you have a great reputation in the industry. You put out a lot of tremendous work at Fantasy Pros. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the stuff that you have cooking this summer, whether it's podcasts, whether it's articles, and all, and where they can find you? Yeah, so a lot of my content you can find over on my Twitter page. I'm at Andrew Erickson underscore, you know, threading the needle with fantasy football knowledge. But it's not always just, you know, your top 10 league winners. You're going to dominate your league if you draft these players. I try to dive a little bit deeper with some more integral things in terms of fantasy football strategy. But besides that, fantasy pros on the podcast with Joe Pizapia, Derek Brown, Pat Fitzmorris, and then things that I'm working on that I got cooking up in the lab. I'm currently writing a, a busts article. So looking at certain players, looking at last year and seeing, uh, okay, we're always trying to identify, you know, the next breakouts and the sleepers. It's like, hey, you know, these are also, there are certain players that check off the boxes that you don't want that end up being bust players. So really trying to pinpoint those particular players. Give us a sneak preview. Give us a bust. Josh Jacobs. There wow. you go. There you go. You don't, you don't like the the exceedingly high volume from the previous season as an indicator of fantasy success this season, Eric, Andrew? <laughs> I mean, it was it was cringing to actually look at. I was just curious. I, was, I looked at, okay, you know, Josh Jacobs led the NFL in touches last year. All right, cool. So, you know, what running backs that have previously kind of held that accolade? And you just look down the list, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, bust, bust, bust. Ricky Williams retired after leading the NFL in touches. Le'Veon Bell didn't play after he led the NFL in touches. It's it's just horrible. And it's not the only reason why Jacobs could be a bust, but it's just one of the things that's not really working in his favor, especially based on his ADP. Billy, how much? <laughs> Got to throw it in there. Not a whole lot of exposure to Josh Jacobs right now, Billy, huh? No, no, it's, I agree. It's I was kind of out last year. I was really wrong. I think most of us were last year, but... It, like like Andrew said, you know, history 
the the details behind it. You also have to mix in now the contract concern that he's already been discussing and talking about. We have so many things that went wrong last year in this offense for it to go right for Josh Jacobs for the volume to kind of align. It's like, you know, when you look at an eclipse and everything lines up perfectly, that's not going to happen this year. Devontae Adams is there. Everyone's healthy and back in the offense. New quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. There's just so many changes in this offense. I just don't see a scenario where everything lines up perfectly for Josh Jacobs again, and he sees that amount of volume. So I'm 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 out again this year. Well, it's it's great that we brought up Josh Jacobs, and this show is not about talking about hey who did well last year. This show is about talking about the fantasy steals for this year. Uh, before we do that, I want to give a special thanks to Andrew as well as Derek Brown, Pat, Fitz, Pat Fitzmorris, and all the help we got from Fantasy Pros with our draft kit. Uh, our draft kit is now available. You can use the code Theo. I heard that's what the, what the Sharp players are doing. There's a whole segment of, of, of fans of Player Profiler that use the code Billy. I don't know about those guys, but you can use Billy or Theo uh, and get a little money off. But uh, Billy, maybe you could run a cool pro, uh, promo. And Yeah, right, right there at the bottom, you know, use code Billy, 10 hours off, don't use code Theo. Um, you know, either way, whichever one you choose to support, you still get $10 off. So you can take this any way you'd like to go. But why don't we hear from, from the podfather himself on the draft kit? Hey, it's the podfather of great news. The 2023 draft kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team, and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. I mean, individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you could take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet. And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league, do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but uh, it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. We hit you with the sound effects, don't we, Andrew, in the, in the, the, the show? I mean, we get after it here. And I will say uh, a- Andrew crushed on Deontay Johnson. That's the guy we're going to talk about oh, shortly. Yeah. But so we, if you've been following First Class Fantasy the last few weeks, we've had a couple of position specials, which I think are evergreen for the whole summer. We had Josh Larkey. We talked about literally every draftable wide receiver. The show was like an hour and 45 minutes. It was crazy. Then we had a, a tight end show with Matt Schof and, and Dan Williamson. That was tremendous. And last week, we had Jacob Sanderson on to discuss running backs. Today, we're taking a step back. 
the last two seasons will show you that when you can hit on big time, big time fantasy production from round six and on, it, that's the key, in my opinion, to crushing your fantasy leagues. And I don't need to even really go that deep here, guys. 2021, Jamar Chase and Debo Samuel were both drafted after round six. Those guys crushed it. Leonard Fournette was drafted at the running back three, running back four line, being drafted behind Ronald Jones that season. Those three guys all crushed it. Last year, it continues. We saw Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Tyler Lockett, Devonta Smith, Christian Kirk, Amari Cooper, and Miles Sanders all drafted past this round six line, and some of them into almost the double-digit rounds. Fundamentally, guys, when you, you're doing content all summer long, you're getting deep into it, you're, you're identifying all kinds of things fantasy-wise. Why is it that guys still slip through the cracks and we see this sort of incredible production available later every single year? Start with Andrew. I think for me, from like a macro perspective, is just mis-evaluating the market and, and what the market is saying about a ter- certain team or player and just being totally wrong about a certain situation. So like last year, you know, being out on the Seattle Seahawks, like everybody else, didn't do you any favors. It just made it so you didn't have any exposure to them when they ended up hitting. So I think it's one of these situations where you have to find areas of the draft with certain teams and players where you need to go against the ADP a little bit. You need to push back a little bit here and say, yes, this player's outlook isn't necessarily great you know, on the surface, and the market is telling me that but it's baked into the ADP. So Tyra Lockett being a value, you know, once again, despite the fact that he always produces no matter what, it's, it's not surprising that he is up on one of those players that you listed off here. I think another thing I look at too is wide receiver twos on their real life teams because wide receiver twos, you know, they're almost, they never get steamed up so high because they're viewed as wide receiver twos. It's like, Jalen Waddle can only be so expensive because of Tyreek Hill's presence in that offense. Like, there's always going to be some type of buffer with these wide receiver twos on real life teams. And that's how they become screaming values, like a Devontae Smith. You know, AJ Brown landed there. Oh my God, Devontae Smith, he's dust. Like, well, we see offenses all the time. Every year we see teams have two top 12 wide receivers, and Devontae Smith was one of those situations. And if you just bet on the talent of Smith coming out of Alabama, what he did as a rookie, then you would have drafted him in round six, seven, eight, and then paid off. And Billy, your, your thoughts on this? It's a really interesting question, and it really makes you take a step back and, and try to look at and try to find edges here and see kind of what's going on where, where you're able to extract value, and sometimes you're, uh, you're on guys that actually bust. Yeah, I think Andrew's right. It's just a, a miss on the valuation, but I also think it's partly too much groupthink as well, right? As, as you see it in the analyst community, you see it in draft rooms, people are afraid to take chances whether it be an analyst, whether it be in a draft room, people will kind of conform to ADP or conform to what the masses are thinking. Um, you know, that's why I always preach about being unique. That's why I always preach about diversification. That's why I always preach about taking risks and having a high risk tolerance. You know, you see it in my rankings. I don't care. I'll move someone up 40 spots versus, versus ECR on the running back rankings alone. I'll move someone up 50 spots or down 50 spots and wide receiver ranking. So I think it's important for you to do your own analysis in, in your own projections and then analyze it and just kind of ignore the noise, right? Look at what the group is thinking. And yes, you can use it as a guide and a tool, but you can look at it and say, hey, 
I'm way high on this guy. And then maybe you can look at it and say, am I missing something? Am I too high on this guy? Did they add somebody that maybe I think is going to be, you know, a smaller piece of this pie than he really is going to be. And so I think you can utilize the group think to a certain extent, but I think you need to kind of ignore it and just utilize it as a tool to make sure that you aren't missing anything. So I would like to say, just go out and take chances, make sure that you are going against the grain, right. And, and creating unique rosters, creating, creating unique uh, positions for yourself and, and setting yourself up for success because like I had exposure to Josh Jacobs last year, not because I liked him. I didn't like him at all. I was wrong on him, but because that philosophy of mixing him in and making sure that I have some ownership, there was leagues that I won because I had a man who well, I just thought I was donating that money. Right. And so the bottom line is we do have, you know, maybe some miss miss opportunities or maybe we misevaluate a player and it, it happens. We like, we're not, we're not in the NFL. We're not on the coaching field. We're not, on the team. And sometimes things happen that we don't see from the human element side, whether it might be the player's devotion to the the team, or it might be their, their, how, how much their heart's in it, or maybe they, you know, they're cam makers and they pissed off the coach, whatever it may be. There's things that we don't get to analyze. And we have to look at that and say, okay, maybe I'm wrong on this player. I like the analytics, but what, what could possibly else happen that's going to affect this player? And that's what we need to do and look at as much as we possibly can. And then just take chances elsewhere. Yeah, and, and I'll add that I think that you you guys both made fantastic points. I think that a lot of times we're better at predicting things right now in June, and sometimes we get a little clouded when it, when it comes to the end of August. I think that a lot of times your initial leans are the correct ones. And I also think that there is a misconception where just because the guy's getting drafted as wide receiver 18, it doesn't mean his range of outcomes are that much different than the guy getting drafted at wide receiver 30. And I think this year there's there's a lot of evidence in that um, we've seen it t- year in year out. And I think that you know one other thing is like we bring up the the kind of the group think last year the three biggest busts at wide receiver were Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton, and Allen Robinson. There was a lot of very sharp people on those guys, and they steamed up as you see sharp guys going on them, whether it's sharp analysts or sharp money and high stakes. And then you'll see guys like Amari Cooper and Tyler Lockett, which were kind of the square picks at wide receiver. Those guys fell big time. Same thing at running back. Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders had clear volume and people wanted to ignore it. So I think there's a lot of different things here, but I think that it's an information age. We get more opportunities for more sharp content than ever before in fantasy. And sometimes it can kind of cloud things. So today we're going to try to sift things out and we're going to try to see through through things and try to identify the edges to really help you win. And I want to start here with you, Andrew. We're going to start at the five six turn, and I think the five six turn is is a very important one because we start to see wide receiver the way it's pushed up this year. You're seeing sometimes fourteen, fifteen wide receivers in the first two rounds. So making these key decisions here are very important. We see Chris Godwin, Christian Kirk, Mike Williams, and Deontay Johnson going right around this five six turn. These guys are going somewhere between wide receiver twenty six and wide receiver 29. So you're talking about high-end wide receiver threes. Andrew, which of these three guys is your favorite? And do any of them have league-winning potential in this range? I'm not sure if any of them view to me as necessarily like league winners. I think they're more value plays where I can see them 
basically beating where they're being drafted. You know, they're being drafted outside the top 24. They're not being viewed as wide receiver twos. But I think that in, a, in this case, particularly like Deontay Johnson, like I feel great about him and my roster as a, a third wide receiver because I think that he's shown an elite level that he can command targets at the NFL level, regardless of whoever the quarterback is, regardless of whoever else is on the field. Deontay Johnson's ability to command targets is more actionable and more sticky than him catching zero touchdowns. And if you just go back and watch Deontay Johnson last year, the amount of times the guy was either overthrown at the one yard line or fall down at the one yard, like that's what happens. Like it's not a fluke that the guy catches over five touchdowns every single year of his career. And then last year gets zero. And now it's like, well, he probably just sucks. It's like, no, that, that's not the case whatsoever. Deontay Johnson, the target share is there for him. He was seventh in targets overall last season with Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett at quarterback. Like, I, I think with anything from Kenny Pickett, if Kenny Pickett can take a big step forward and Deontay Johnson, then that's maybe the path he does become a league winner. I'm not necessarily baking that in, but I think Deontay Johnson is going to be a win every time you draft him as a wide receiver 27. He's going to be a win, but he could be an even bigger win if we do see a massive step forward from Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and I, th- I think, uh, Billy, correct me if I'm wrong, you have Deontay the highest in of these wide receivers in your rankings. Yeah, it's a uh, receiver I've been kind of pounding the table for when I, we've mentioned everything that Eric just mentioned in terms of uh, in, in in terms of his target share, in terms of his overall, you know, ability to command targets and just the lack of touchdowns he had last year. I keep saying that if he had just four touchdowns last year, then we would be talking about him as a top 20 wide receiver again. Um, and so Andrew brings up a lot of good points. In my projections right now, he comes in as wide receiver 22. Um, I believe, I haven't checked ECR in, in some time, but he was like wide receiver like 37 last I checked in, in, in ECR, which is just ridiculous, right? The amount of targets that he has seen. So Andrew mentioned consistent targets. We're talking about outside of his rookie year. So let's focus on 2020 and, and up. 144 targets, 169 targets, 147 targets. And that 147 targets last year was just like a carousel of quarterbacks. He still saw 86 receptions. He still had nearly 900 yards. You know, he had 1,500 air yards. And so I think that is what we consider his floor now moving forward. And now that's where he's being drafted at. There's only upside in terms of play for Deontay Johnson. I mean, he finished last year as wide receiver 39 in fantasy points per game. And that was with zero damn touchdowns. So you look at his involvement in the routes. I mean, he ran 560 routes run last year. That was number nine in the league. He had a 98% route participation, which was number six in the league. These are all stats that I want from a wide receiver that I'm being drafted, especially this late in drafts this year. And I take a look at my early projections. I have a projected for 26% of the target share. That's 156 targets. I gave him a 61% catch rate. That gave him just over 1,000 yards at 1,002 with I gave him five and a half touchdowns, and that's wide receiver 22 in my projection. So I, he has, I think, an opportunity to, to beat that on the yardage. He has an opportunity to beat that in the touchdown category. And so I don't understand why he's being drafted so low. I, th- I know the concern with Pickett and the offense, but they bolstered the O-line. They went out and they they drafted Broderick Jones in round one. They got there in a Washington in round three. They drafted another offensive line in round seven. This offense is going to be a little bit more balanced. We're going to see a little bit better rushing attack now. Najee's off that ankle injury and has a better offensive line. It's going to keep defenses honest. So there's a lot to like about Deontay Johnson here in 2023. And I just 
I'll continue to take the discount. I mean, it's one of my most owned players, so I'm fine with it. You guys want to keep them there? Fine. I'll, I'll keep drafting them there. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say the, it's the most interesting thing about the Deontay Johnson situation to me is you see so much negativity on George Pickens. There should be some correlation here. And if you think we're wrong on Deontay Johnson, then George Pickens is probably a value because this offense will not be as bad as it was last year. The division seems a little more shootout friendly. I think the offenses are going to improve. I'm, I like Deontay Johnson. I think for me, he's, he's fine value there. Um, I, I agree with Andrew that it's, it lacks kind of the, the league winning upside. I think of these guys, I'm not sure if there is a league winner. I do worry a little bit about Mike Williams because we see the could see the overall targets take a step back. I think Quentin Johnson could be annoying. I, I may be a little higher on him than Billy is, but I think that we can agree that it's an interesting tier. I want to move on to the running back position, though, guys. Real quick, before we move oh, on, yeah. I have a listener question that I'd love to get. Oh, yeah, go and, for it. Andrew's opinion on here. I asked Joey P on a podcast last night who would win in a street <laughs> fight between Andrew Erickson and Debro. I want to I want to get I want to get Andrew's opinion on this. <laughs> oh. So I, I'm definitely going to lose in a street <laughs> fight <laughs> to Derek Brown. Um, maybe when I was more in my my prime in a physical presence, uh, but I've lost a lot of weight over the last couple of years working from home, not working out at the gym. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the L there. I mean, you could pull the beard. You could get him down pretty quick. You know, it's uh, I don't know. I, I think we could throw some paper. Super, on it. super, super interesting one. I, I, I wonder about the, the questions, but. You know, we definitely, this is our first street fight question in first class <laughs> fantasy. So first time for everything. Um, I want to move on to the running backs though, guys, because we have an interesting kind of phenomenon here where all the wide receivers are getting pushed up. So it's kind of pushing the, the, the running backs back. Uh, we see Alexander Madison, Rashad White, Damian Pierce, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, and DeAndre Swift kind of all sometimes creeping into this sixth round cluster. These guys are like running back 21 through running back 26. Sometimes you get these guys in the seventh round, but let's call them six rounders for this exercise. And I will throw James Connor. He should have been on the show sheet. He's in there as well. So between Alexander Madison, Rashad White, Damian Pierce, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, and James Connor, which of these players has the highest ceiling outcome, Andrew? I think for me, it's Rashad White. Like that's the player that I want out of this running back tier. Look, he already showed that he could beat out an NFL professional in a backfield last year. Like he beat out Leonard Fournette. There's a reason why Leonard Fournette's not on the team anymore. Obviously, they didn't want to pay him that amount of money, but Rashad White was carving out a role. A lot of these other running backs were, we don't know how they're going to shake out in their respective backfields. Rashad, are, are the Buccaneers going to bring back Leonard Fournette so he can be Rashad White's backup again? Like, is that the plan here with Tampa Bay? So, Rashad White has a three-down skill set. People are concerned about the Buccaneers' offense. Oh, the offense is going to suck. Okay, well, if they're behind in games, who's going to be on the field? Oh, Rashad White, you know, who caught 50 balls last season. Now, he may not catch that many passes because he doesn't have Tom Brady. But, I mean, when it comes to checking the ball down to running backs, I mean, Baker Mayfield is right up there with Tom Brady. You know, again, it was Christian McCaffrey. It was Kareem Hunt. But, I mean, look, Kareem Hunt's production nosedived this past year. Was that because he didn't have Baker Mayfield anymore? I mean, Baker Mayfield has been a pretty fantasy-friendly quarterback to pass-catching running backs in the past. So just looking at these other factors, look, White may not have this massive touchdown upside, but he's an explosive runner, not necessarily from his efficiency standpoints last year. But we looked at the Buccaneers' offensive line. 
nobody was running behind that offensive line. So I don't look at it as a, oh, well, he sucks. Like, he's not an efficient running back. He was a rookie playing behind a bad offensive line that was in a committee. Like, I don't expect him to necessarily run for five yards per carry. And yet, he still rushed for four yards per carry, and people are writing him off as, oh, well, he can't be an efficient running back at the NFL level. No, he's got strong draft capital. He has a college, very strong college pedigree, receiving upside. He checks up a lot of boxes, and he's one of these players where I'm trying to find this running back that people just don't want, that has a path to a three-down workload. And for me, that's Rashad White. I love that answer. And Billy, we talk about the winners last year. Uh, A lot of those guys had pass-catching ability. Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, and Josh Jacobs caught a lot of passes last year. So are you with with us on Rash- are you with uh, Andrew with on Rashad White here? Is there another guy here that you prefer in this range? I, I like Rashad White, but I think just to get some some diversity in this conversation because I continue to agree with with him is I need we need to talk about DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, in my opinion, has the ability to be potentially the RB one in fantasy one if he can stay healthy and two. Um, if he can just stay on the field. I mean, you look at what he has done in limited capacity. You know, last year we saw him at 30% snaps. We saw him dip down in some games below 20% snap share. And I I know he was battling an injury. He was coming in, back and out. Him and Deuce Staley didn't get along. Um, There was a lot of things that, you know, you could could point to DeAndre Swift and say it's not going to happen. But the fact is, is that now he joined the Eagles, which has – you know, arguably the best line of football. There's going to be positive game scripts for him. Um, he still has the ability to take it house on any given play. He's heavily involved in the passing game. And so there's a lot to like about DeAndre Swift. So even in that reduced capacity last year, he still saw 70 targets. He still saw number three in fantasy points per opportunity, right? He continued to see, you know, a massive amount of yards per route run from a running back at 1.78, which is number five. Breakaway run rate at 8.1%, which was number five. And so there's a lot of metrics in here. Yards created per touch, number two in the league for running backs. You know, there's so many cherry pick stats that I could sit here and pull out about why he could be a top 10 position. It just breaks down to the volume for him. Um, we know that Rashad Penny is is here, at least for the time being. So we have to consider him in this backfield, but he's also another injury-prone back. Kenneth Gainwell's still here, Boston Scott. Where I'm going with this is that there is a, 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 a chance where maybe we're under-projecting DeAndre Swift's role inside this offense from a rush share standpoint. Where like, I haven't projected for like 30% of the rush share. He comes in as RB23 inside my projections. That's on 11% target share. But if we maybe underanalyze this, or like we said earlier, we just you know misread the situation. What if all of a sudden, or Penny gets hurt immediately, right? There's a lot of these things are likely to happen or possible to happen, I should say. What if, if Swift just gets 38, 39% of that rush share? That puts him in my projections at RB12. And so, and, and that's realistic to where something could easily happen where he just gets eight to 9% more of the rushing share. What if he gets 1% more target share? What if he catches, you know, 2% more of his of, of the balls. What if his touchdown percentage just goes up slightly? All these things are possible, especially in this explosive of an offense where you have a rushing quarterback who's going to create lanes. You have you know, exceptional downfield receivers with A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. You have Dallas Goddard as well. There's so many mismatches this offense can create where I think DeAndre Swift legitimately has RB1 upside if given the opportunity. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's the, the contingent upside that you hear that term a lot. DeAndre Swift also like I love the idea that if one of I don't love the idea 
I hope they stay healthy all year. But if one of those wide receivers goes down, there's not a whole lot of wide receiver depth in Philadelphia. I think Nick Sirianni's yeah, and Nick Sirianni's shown the ability to kind of wear different hats to move an offense. He did it year one, and then last year took the meteoric leap. So I think DeAndre Swift, I've been able to get seventh round DeAndre Swift. It's hard to pass up. Um, But I will say that I like the cheapest guy of this group has been James Conner lately. I think that the much like Andrew brings up Tampa Bay, like this is exactly what we're looking for. Drafters get it in their head that we need to fade an entire offense. And guess what? We're talking about Chris Godwin. We're going to talk about Mike Evans. And we talk about Rashad White being drafted all past the sixth round and on. Someone's going to beat here, guys. It's just it's just a law of numbers. The Bucs are not going to score zero points this year. And I think Arizona people are treating like they're going to score no points this year. I think they're going to struggle. But I think one one player who's going to see the volume is James Conner. I think James Conner could lead all running backs in terms of touches for like over the first month of the season. And that's the one position that we are able to find waiver wire winners consistently year in, year out as running back. I'll take the head start with James Conner. He allows me to make my builds differently. And I, I know I'm going to get a lot of volume from him. Um, I want to push back here, guys, taking the same group of players. Which is the player that you are avoiding right now, Andrew? Well, the player that you think could get people in trouble? Because the dead zone is different, but it's still around. For me, it's Alexander Madison um, for the Minnesota Vikings because he's the projections guy. Projections guy. Like, we don't know what Alexander Madison can do over a full 17-game season. Literally no idea because he hasn't done it at any point in his NFL career because he's been sitting behind Dalvin Cook. And I think the thing that gets people in trouble here with a player like Madison is you look at the games where, oh, well, Madison came in, smashed, and Dalvin Cook wasn't available. Okay, let's extrapolate that over a a 17-game sample. Oh, Madison's going to smash. But the thing is, during this entire period where Madison has been Dalvin Cook's backup, have we ever once been pounding the table like, we got to get Madison more touches? No. This isn't a Tony Pollard-Zeke situation where every time Pollard was out there, was like, oh my God, this guy is so explosive. We need to get him more touches. Never that case with Alexander Matt. And and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people felt that way, though. I know I didn't. I know that when I watched him, I was like, oh, that kind of looks like Dalvin Cook because they both have the dreadlocks. But then I'm like, wait, no, he actually looks a little bit slower, not as explosive, not as good. Oh, that is Alexander Madison that's in the game. Is Dalvin Cook hurt? Because, you know, that would frequently happen. So for me, looking at Madison, it's just, he just checks off the box of like a dead zone back. Like he's all projection. Look, even last year, Dalvin Cook was horrible in terms of rushing efficiency. He had he led the NFL in terms of total rushes for zero or negative yardage. He's last in total rushing EPA. And yet Alexander Madison could not sniff the field. The most snaps that Alexander Madison got last year were in two games against the team with the NFL's worst record, the Chicago Bears. That This current coaching staff, again, not the staff that drafted him, where you actually saw him get full workloads. Kevin O'Connell has never given Alexander Madison a full workload because that never happened in 2022. So there are just way too many red flags for a player like Alexander Madison, so unproven, where they could sign a veteran free agent and they just completely blow up the backfield. I think a good litmus test for how you feel about some of these RB2s is Leonard Fournette signs there tomorrow. Are you going to move him down your rankings? Are you are you scared? Because if you are, then you shouldn't be drafting that player. Because if his value can change that quickly because they add a veteran, like a Kareem Hunt or one of these players, why were you so high on him in the first place? That's one of the best pieces of advice I've heard all offseason. If anybody takes anything away from the show, what Andrew just said, if you're scared of a dusty veteran 
hurting your guy, then he's not the guy. Billy, uh, I, I'd like to get your your answer here. And if it's you could choose somebody else or go Madison if you want to pile on. Can I just say ditto? Like I think he had everything. Okay. Uh, there's not much outside of like you look at the other players around him. I don't think Madison is going to be a workhorse or a true a true three down back, and that's why they went out and got you know Dwayne McBride who can run between the tackles. Why they still have Ty Chandler who has got the speed. I think that this offense you know could see a hot hand approach. Um, I think Madison will be given the first crack at things, but I would not be surprised to see you know the rookie and Ty Chandler kind of mix in. Yeah, and I'm I'm off Madison. He's also the most expensive of this group, and he's heading up. Yeah, he keeps long, climbing. You know, he keeps climbing and climbing. He's up there with Acres and Sanders and backs that we're a little more sure of. Um, and I I will say that I'm also uh, it's this. I've seen some sharp people on him, but for me, uh, I I think that that Devin Singletary is going to be more of a pain for for Damian Pierce than I think some people are giving credit to. So for me, if I'm hitting a back in this range, I would rather take a guy that I know is going to have pass catching upside. And I think Pierce is capped pass catching wise. So I'm betting on a between the tackles back who's dynamic, but might not get enough goal line opportunities to really move the needle. I think Damian Pierce is a purgatory guy here. He's not going to win people leagues, might not lose you leagues, but he's the guy that I've, I've been avoiding. But uh, I know there's some sharp money against me on that one. So I will, uh, you know, that I could be wrong on that one, guys. Um, I want to pivot back over to wide receivers. Uh, the six seven turn, another really cool tier for wide receivers. You could paint a picture for a lot of these guys: Brandon Ayuk, Traylon Burks, Kadarius Tony, and then guys who have had a lot of success here in Michael Pittman and Hollywood Brown. Andrew, where are you at with this group of guys? Who is your favorite player to draft of these players? For me, it's Brandon Ayuk. I think that when you're evaluating wide receivers, I think that you really need to put a premium on, do you think this guy is good? Like how talented do you think this wide receiver is? Because talent earns targets, talent gets yards, and talent scores touchdowns. So for me, Brandon Ayuk is kind of the guy that I'm gravitating towards the most here. And the reason he's kind of discounted is just because of the other players in his offense are also good. Like Debo Samuel's good. George Kittle is good. McCaffrey's good. So it's hard for him to pop in the projections, in the stat sheets, because, oh, well, how is he going to fit in with all these players? But you know what happens every season? Guys get hurt. And the minute that guys get hurt in this 49ers offense, Brandon Ayuk turns in wide receiver one production on a dime. That's what he did last year when Dio Samuel's out. He turned into a wide receiver one. And you can get him outside the top 24 with the contingent upside of one guy goes down in this offense and Ayuk is getting you, you win. Like, that's all it needs to happen. And it is football after all. So injuries happen quite often. And, and actually, too, with Ayuk, with his role in this offense, they're trying to parse between how many targets he's going to get. Because if you look at when Brock Purdy was healthy, you know, Debo led the team in target share, but he missed a couple games. George Kittle was on an absolute tear because he was averaging one half receiving touchdowns per game. Like, Ayuk was a wide receiver, two with Brock Purdy and scored two touchdowns. So he was getting no touchdown production. He was still putting up wide receiver, two fantasy numbers. So at a floor, if none of these guys get hurt, then you're going to get what you paid for with Brandon Ayuk. Not a win, but not a loss. I'm okay with that where I'm drafting him. But like we talked about before, there is an easy path where Brandon Ayuk is a top 12 wide receiver, and it takes one injury here or there, or just the Brock Purdy deciding, hey, I want to throw it to Brandon Ayuk, who I think is actually, if I had to make a bet on this 49ers offense, who is going to run the most routes? It would probably be Brandon Ayuk. 96% route participation last year. I know his role as the perimeter wide receiver on this team. Everyone else is kind of like in the middle or like McCaffrey in the slot, Debo in the slot, George Kittle in the inside. 
I feel like those guys are kind of fighting for the similar a similar target share, whereas Ayuk, he's getting those downfield looks. He's getting those alpha looks on the outside. That's why I feel great about him. Love that. Billy, where are you at? Um, I think in this group, for me, it's, it's Traylon Burks, and it's just a simple math game for me when you look at the pie that's available for the team, the the competition for targets and and when you consider all of that, I think Traylon Burks has a pretty clear path to success. You know, he's only competing against the likes of Chris Moore, Nick Westbrook, Akeen, Kyle Phillips, Chris Conley. Those are all disgusting. You know, Chigo is his number one target competition inside the passing game, the tight end position. And we know that Tennessee does like to mix in two tight ends at times. And so I know the the argument here will be the the pass volume inside Tennessee, which is a valid argument, you know, and it's a run first offense with Derrick Henry. Um, that being said, we could still expect to see Traylon Burks for roughly 26% of the target share. And, you know, that could be 29%, honestly, with with these bums that are behind him. And so I think that he has a pretty clear path to success as long as he can remain healthy and on the field. Um, he's being drafted, you know, outside top 30 at the position. I think he has a real opportunity to finish as a top 20 at the position, even top 15, if things shake right for him in the touchdown category. And, and he does see maybe closer to that 29% target share. You know, in my projections, 26% target share, 131 targets. And so I like his upside. I like I like the fact that he's going to be on the field, probably 90 plus percent of all the snaps by run, you know, similar in routes. And anytime we have a receiver on the field that much running that many routes, you have to be at least, you know, um, has got to catch your attention at least. I'm, I'm with you, uh, Billy and Andrew. I think that the two guys on this list that could be, you know, really break fantasy are the, are Ayuk and Burks. I do think that Ayuk has the higher upside because of the quality of the offense where Ayuk could be a 12 touchdown scorer this year. Like Ayuk could go for 1300 yards. Like he's that good. Traylon Burks, I agree with you, Billy. And they assure me math wise, the 29% of not a lot is better than 19% of a lot. I think. So I, I think that Burks, like I'm, I'm all, I've been trying to draft Burks. I do think Burks is moving up a little bit, which makes him like more and more sharp people are getting on Burks. Uh, I'd prefer those two guys to like, I wanted to find a, a an argument for Pittman because we've seen high target shares, but I do think it's going to be a run first offense. I have concerns about, you know, Kadarius Tony consistency wise and being the same as Sky Moore in a lot of ways. And uh, the Arizona quality of the offense here with, with Hollywood, but I'm, but with you both, I think Ayuk. And Traylon Burks right now, that should be part of your draft plan. If those guys are available in the sixth round, I think they're smash picks right now. Um, want to keep going. And guys, I want to speed up the answers because we have a lot to cover. Uh, we see this is a quick in or out for Andrew. Are you in or out on Isaiah Pacheco as a seventh rounder? Billy has some concerns. You could tune into our GOAT District episode from last night. Billy really, really laid into him. So not to sway your answer here, Andrew. <laughs> but are you in or out on Isaiah Pacheco? I'm probably out on Isaiah Pacheco. I just get the Elijah Mitchell type of vibes with a guy that runs as violent as he at, as he does. I don't know if he can hold up for an entire season. And they brought McKinnon back. Edward Solaire is still still on the roster. He's still hanging around. And they're just they, the Chiefs like the hot hand. Like, I think they're whoever's playing good. That's what they're going to play. And they don't care who it is. Like they're going to freaking start generic prints for games this year, apparently based on training camp reports. So I, I just think it's, it's not a situation where I feel I need to get Pacheco on my roster. I'll start with Billy on this one. We see a kind of a cleanup round towards the end of the seventh round 
uh, where we see Tyler Lockett, Jahan Dotson, and George Pickens being selected. In some drafts, they're a little higher, but these guys seem to be a cluster. Billy, which of these three are you most in on? And I'll say this. If this was, if you had a punted wide receiver, which of these three would you be most comfortable with as your wide receiver two? So the, the group was Tyler Lockett, Jahan Dotson, and who was the other one? Pickens. Pickens. Uh, Tyler Lockett for me. Uh, I really like Jahan Dotson's upside. I don't think he has as safe as a floor as Tyler Lockett. Um, and I like Pickens as a talent, but he just doesn't command the targets like Deontay Johnson does in the offense. Uh, he doesn't get much separation. It's going to rely on his body control and catchability. And so I, I think when you consider all of those, uh, Lockett has you know a pretty clear-cut number two role inside of this offense. I know that you're pretty high on JSN. I'm not as high as JSN. But I do think that this offense will still be uh, good. We're going to see them kind of continue on the pace they were last year, and I expect to see Lockett continue on the same role that he was for me, in the projections, wide receiver 34 for Lockett, 36 for Jahan Dotson, and Pickens as wide receiver 41. So they're clustered there. Um, in terms of fantasy points, um, Jahan Dotson and Lockett are only separated by six, um, but Pickens is is actually quite a bit below. He's about 26 fantasy points below Tyler Lockett in my projections. Give me Jahan Dotson. I think that Jahan Dotson is very underrated right now. I really like the talent. I think that there's a chance he could outscore Terry McLaurin. I think that's the kind of arbitrage play I'm looking for in this range. Andrew, of these three guys, which are you most comfortable with? And you would you be comfortable with any of them as your wide receiver, too? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Lockett as a wide receiver, too. Just he's going to produce. Like what, like what on paper, what has he shown us that says that he's not going to produce? He does it every single year, no matter what. So I feel good about draft. Like he's never the wrong pick. But for me, when I'm chasing the upside, I, I look at Dawson. Just the fact that, he scored a lot of touchdowns last year, and I get that that's not something that's always replicable, like doesn't always reproduce from year over year, but he showed a ceiling that we're still waiting for Terry McLaurin to hit. Like Terry McLaurin has been a fantasy wide receiver too, year in and year out, and that's great. But is it now the year he's finally going to be a wide receiver one with Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett? Like probably not. So why would I pay up for him when I can get a guy like Jahan Dotson so much later? He had more wide receiver one finishes than Terry McLaurin did last year. Yes. He played, le- he played five less games. So it doesn't make any sense to me going back to the thing that I let off with is drafting these real-life wide receiver twos. If Terry McLaurin wasn't there, Jahan Dotson would be going to round four. But Terry McLaurin is there. So that's why you can get Jahan Dotson at such a discount. Real quick, Andrew, I want you to take a vote here. So Theo and I have a bet on JSN. The bet is... Andrew's got my back on this. I can already tell. The bet is a $350 Fantasy Pros entry over at the FFPC. JSN... Over or under wide receiver 36? Over is 37 and later. Unders wide receiver 35 or higher. So I would be on the, he's going to finish as a top 36 wide receiver. Oh, it's the first person, Theo. I mean, it's Andrew's, Andrew's, a, sharp, Andrew's a sharp guy. It's, it's, it's in the bag. And that's part of the reason I don't love Lockett this year. I think that there's, I think like for me, if I wanted points for the beginning of the season, I'm going Tyler Lockett, but I think Jackson Smith and Jigba's role is going to grow and grow and grow because he's a target commanding guy when he's around NFL talent everywhere he's been. And he is awesome. And I think he's going to cut into Tyler Lockett as season goes along. It's fine. I think that Tyler Lockett's fine where he, it, the market's the market's correct because it has the two guys close, but I, I think it should be Billy should be a little more open-minded on who scores more points rather than 
one guy's you know 30 30 spots ahead of him in the overall or something like that so we will follow this up all season long billy we'll have a a, a constant watch on this one guys i want to pivot over to quarterback okay so we've seen joe burrow and lamar jackson really really steam up to the to like close it's like a gravitational pull when you see josh allen usually josh allen's quarterback three off the board then you see a gravitational pull where somebody's going to take joe burrow somebody's going to take lamar jackson then we usually have a, a slight a slight uh break who is the best value among justin fields in the late fifth round occasional sixth round justin herbert in the sixth round trevor lawrence in the seventh or Deshaun Watson in the late eighth, early ninth. So you're on Fields, Herbert, Lawrence, and Watson, but we have the ADP factored into this decision as well. I'll start with Andrew. Which quarterback do you find yourself most intrigued with at cost right now? Deshaun Watson for me in the eighth, ninth round. I think that he's the cheapest way to get top five fantasy upside at the quarterback position. I know how horrible he was last year. You don't need to find, you don't need to look too hard to look at the numbers to figure out he was bad last year, but you know what he was still doing last year? He was running the ball. He was on pace for 500 rushing yards. Like, and that's not going to go away. He's a rushing quarterback. And in a market where everybody's so on to these mobile quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson is available in round eight and nine. Andrew, is he your last court? Is he the last quarterback being drafted that you could see finish like close to quarterback one overall? I think so. Uh, besides, yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, Anthony Richardson kind of comes to mind for us. I'm like, wait, but probably as a rookie, I think that QB1 is probably just a little bit of a, a stretch with Richardson. But yeah, Watson probably fits that guy. Billy, of those guys, who is your favorite value right now? Justin Herbert. Easy for me. I The dude just, all he does is throw the ball. I mean, 699 attempts last year, 672 attempts in 2021. The 699 attempts, by the way, we're with the bum shoulder and the broken ribs. Like he probably would have thrown for a little over 700 had he at least been a little healthier. Even with all those attempts and those injuries, he still had a 68.2% completion percentage last year. He gets the addition of Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. They add weapons in the offense. I think that we're going to continue to see a high 600 amount of attempts in this, this passing attempt for this offense. I think they can be a little bit more efficient with those attempts as well. Uh, I have constantly been kind of adjusting the projections and the rankings and Herbert Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow, those three, every time there's an, a, an adjustment, those three continue to just kind of interchange between quarterback four, five, and six right now, Herbert is sitting at six, but we're talking about four fantasy points between him and Joe Burrow right now. There's only a one and a half fantasy points in my projections through him and Lamar Jackson at quarterback five. When you have, this many opportunities in an offense when you have the weapons that he has it's hard not to like what he's going to be able to do here in 2023 yeah i'm I'm with you i like herbert a lot i understand what andrew's saying with with watson i think you guys are both spot on both guys i like but for me it's lawrence because i think the the tier is starting to drop people were a little more excited about about drafting lawrence like billy when we do we're like our sicko drafts right after the super bowl those the lawrence lawrence people were pushing him up now it's a little bit of a gap, and I I believe in Watson bouncing back, but we did see the poor play last year. With Lawrence, we saw a big step forward. We saw the offense take a big step forward. I also like the fact that it's year two for Doug Peterson. He might open things up a little more. They've added Calvin Ridley. They've added Tank Bigsby. They've, they've improved the offensive talent, 
And I think Lawrence in year three could could have big time potential. But I do think this entire tier is interesting to target your quarterback from. We see a sizable drop from quarterback nine, which is Watson, down to quarterbacks 10, 11, and 12. Those guys are Dak Prescott, Anthony Richardson, and Tua Tungavailoa. Is this a purgatory tier of players who won't really impact our fantasy teams, or is this an attractive tier? And which of these quarterbacks are you most into, Andrew? So I, I don't like this tier. But <laughs> I, I don't like Dak, and I don't like Tua um, for numerous numerous reasons. Mike McCarthy calling plays. I just, I just look. We got to find a reason to not draft these guys. And Mike McCarthy taking over is not good. I, I watched the Patriots last year. I, I see what bad coaching does. And especially in the red zone, like that's where coaching and bad coaching shows up the most. Last year, Dallas, number one in red zone, red zone scoring conversion rate. That's not going to happen again this year. So Dak, I don't like him at his price. Tua, when Tua was firing on all cylinders last year, quarterback seven. That's great. You draft him as QB 11, he finishes QB seven when that's his highest range of outcomes. Is that a big win? Are you jumping? Like, are you jumping for joy if that happens? Probably not. But then you're also taking on all the other risks involved with Tua, the concussions, the fact that he doesn't run. Like, he's not a rushing quarterback, and he's not going to run more when he has concussion issues. So for me, it's Anthony Richardson I like the most for the obvious reasons that he's a mobile quarterback. He's going to put up numbers as a rusher. And even if he's bad as a passer, which he probably will be in year one, he's going to be able to put up a decent enough floor that he would be the player I would go to here. But honestly... I'm okay punting this entire tier in redraft and just going a little bit later on the Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, um, as opposed to going into this tier. I don't really like the middle tier. Staying out of the middle is kind of how I always try to operate with these onesie positions like quarterback and tight end. I try to stay out of the middle. Yeah, last year, this this range failed miserably. It was the the low-end QB1s and the high-end QB2s were, were busted out for the most part. I will say I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued by Dak because he's so cheap right now. And I, I think that there's a lot of hate on the potential for Mike McCarthy ruining the offense. I don't know. I, I'm I've and some drafts where I've punted QB. I have got Dak when he's fallen. Um, but I kind of agree with you, Andrew. I think that for true league winning upside, it's the tier above them that we discussed. Billy, your thoughts. Uh, it's a pretty clear cut answer for me. It's Dak Prescott. It just breaks down to how I project this offense to look in 2023 talked about it last night in the goat district Ezekiel Elliott is no longer here that was 231 rushing attempts um we do expect them to probably sign somebody but they may not command that type of volume and so I kind of expect this offense to transition into a slightly pass heavier approach they went out and signed Brandon Cooks um they still have Michael Gallup they drafted Luke Schoonmaker um and so I think that we could potentially see Dak Prescott with a few more attempts each game when you look at what he's done the course of his career. He, he hasn't, he didn't play 16 games last year, only 12 games last year, but extrapolate that out. It's just under 4,000 yards, um, 4,400 yards in 2021. When he did play a full 16 games, um, we have a pretty high completion percentage throughout his entire career with the additional weapons. I think that we could see a pretty easily top 12 finish at a deck Prescott. Um, this is actually the first thing I've disagreed on with, with, um, most of us are discussion here with Anthony Richardson. I'm just out with on Anthony Richardson this year. I understand he's got this ceiling with the rushing upside, but he's such a poor passer um, in general. In college, he, he saw 53, 53% completion percentage last year. 21, he saw 59% completion percentage. In 2020, a 50% completion percentage. 
There's only a couple attempts there, but it still it just continues to show his lack of ability to to throw an accurate ball. He's never once eclipsed the 60% in college. The NFL is going to be a learning curve for him. It's going to even be lower than that, potentially, um, which is going to mean that defenders are going to stack the box and force him to throw, which could result in a lot of turnovers for him. And I think that when you have a running back like Jonathan Taylor, you have to consider how much Anthony Richardson is actually going to run. I think his running will be out of necessity in designed runs, but you still have to consider Jonathan Taylor back there. And so you have to ask yourself, who's going to be the red zone first go? Is it going to be Anthony Richardson? Is it going to be Jonathan Taylor? If we have to even question that, you have to be at least concerned with the amount of volume that Anthony Richardson is going to have inside the red zone. And then again, if he's not completing 60% of his passes, what does that look like inside the red zone? So there's a lot of red flags to me with Anthony Richardson in year one. He's being drafted, in my opinion, extremely high because of his rushing upside. But there's a lot more negatives than there is positive in his game, at least for his rookie campaign. I'll, I'll say the, the person who kind of says it simply best is, is Sigmund Bloom, who was my guest on press coverage yesterday. Um, he's going to be better in best ball. If you really love Anthony Richardson, go get your Richardson in best ball because you don't have to worry about which weeks to start him. He, Billy, he will have some spike weeks. Yeah, but it's going to be hard to predict those ones. You never know when a guy's going to go off for 125 rushing yards. That way, you know, your three QB builds and whatnot. Better than best ball, guys. So I'm going to use it. It's uh, everybody take a shot right now. If you were waiting for somebody to say better than best ball, uh, quick lightning round, guys, in or out on Javante Williams. He's being drafted as running back 29. Out. Out. <laughs> this year's J.K. Dobbins. Don't want him. I'm out just like his knee is out. Out. Pivoting over to the tight end position. We see occasional sixth round Darren Waller and Dallas Goddard in FFPC drafts. Uh, but for the purposes of today, let's focus on the next tier. Who is your favorite tight end among Pat Fryermuth, Evan Ingram, and David Njoku? These guys are separated by about 10 spots, and they are going between tight ends 8 and tight end 10. It's also okay to say I'm out of this tier. Start with Billy on this one. I like them all this year, actually. Um but typically, my approach at tight end is if I don't secure Kelsey or Andrews, I just wait. And so I'm even though I like these three and this group is the, probably the, the I like this group more than I like like Goddard and Pitts. Even I would still say I'm out on this tier. And I'm going to wait and take a value at tight end. Andrew, this is rapid fire, right? I don't need to elaborate more. On no, that. you're you're good. You don't need you don't need you don't need statistical, statistical backup answers. Just Billy Muzio. <laughs> I agree with Billy. Like this is usually a tier that I try to stay against. Staying out of the middle of tight end is usually this best strategy if you don't get one of the elite guys. But for me, if I'm picking one, especially in like a half PPR setting where it's all about touchdowns, is David Njoku um, for me because crowded in the Cleveland passing game. We're not necessarily sure who Deshaun Watson's going to lean on as his number one guy. Obviously, Cooper is there, but after that, it's kind of a we're not really sure. We're kind of throwing our hands up. Where at least with Njoku last year. Second in red zone targets behind Travis Kelsey. Like Travis Kelsey smashed because he scored a lot of touchdowns on top of all the targets and receptions that he had. So there's a path for Njoku to get to paying off his tight end ADP where he's going between eight and 10. It's going to be through touchdowns, which are obviously hard to project, but he got a lot of red zone targets. So he should see opportunities to score. So for me, we try to identify tight ends that I think could be first or second on their team in targets. And Pat Fryermuth in year two had 98 targets, guys. So for me, I'm going to take shots on Fryermuth. Um, you know, again, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are pushed down for a reason. I think part of it is because Pat Fryermuth is attractive uh, at his ADP. 
Over the past few seasons, running back threes have provided big-time returns. Last year, obviously, Pollard, Miles Sanders, Ken Walker occasionally was drafted in that range. 2021, Fournette, Singletary, won leagues. Which of these RB3s do you most prefer? James Cook, Zach Charbonnet, Antonio Gibson, Samaj Piran, Brian Robinson, or Alvin Kamara? And I forgot to mention A.J. Dillon. So it's a wide, wide group. These guys are all getting drafted between about pick 90 and about pick 100. And this is the tail end of, the, of, of right down to RB36, fellas. You want me to say it again? Cook, Charbonnet, Gibson, P. Ryan, Kamara, Brian Robinson, A.J. Dillon. Andrew, your favorite player in this range. Antonio Gibson. No doubt about it. Do I need, uh, do I need an analysis? Could, are we doing, no, we're doing so, rapid, no, fire. rapid fire? Rapid fire. Rapid fire. You could rap. That's fine. If you want to add a sentence or <laughs> well, two, you could. I will say with Gibson, it's just a matter of he's already been an RB1 twice in his career. He's got a three down skill set and he's a free agent. Like we see, Miles Sanders was a free agent last year. Saquon Barkley was a free agent last Like Josh Jacobs was a free agent. Like when they're free agents, the coaches don't care. They're just like, whatever. We're just going to use this guy, run him to the ground. So I'm not afraid of Brian Robinson. So Antonio Gibson for me, I think he's going to bounce back. Love it. Billy. Can you read them off again for me? That was a long list. James Cook, Charbonnet, Antonio Gibson, P. Ryan, Kamara, Brian Robinson, A.J. Dillon. Why is Charbonnet even in this group? Um, because of, of, of the fact that he was a second round pick <laughs> and he could win the backfield. Get out of here. Okay. I don't, I'm not betting on it. No. But. Can you read it again and not say Charbonnet, please? No, I'm just Okay. Kidding. Let's say I'm just. <laughs> I oh man, this is a toss-up for me between Cook and Gibson. I think with the looming news of Hunt potentially signing there, I've been kind of cooling the jets on Hunt. So I'm going, I mean on 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 Gibson. And so I'm gonna lean Cook here. I like the upside of the offense. We know that they have struggled to find a number two in the passing game of this offense. I think we could see Cook get more involved in the passing game, and we're gonna see some favorable game scripts for this offense. And so I'm gonna lean lean Cook. Uh, pivoting. Oh, and I'm on James Cook. I've talked about him for weeks now. I love James Cook at his ADP. Guys, switching over to rookie wide receivers. Rookie wide receivers have been crushing the past few seasons. Uh, we saw, we've actually seen in, in FFPC that now they're all starting to converge here. Jordan Addison slid back slightly. Jackson Smith and Jigba's moved up. And Quentin Johnson moves, moved, has moved way up. These three guys, Andrew, if you could have one of them on your fantasy teams, who would it be? I think it's Quentin Johnson for me because I I love Justin Herbert and Billy talked about the passing yards are off the charts and I look at Justin Herbert and, and I love his profile and his outlook but then when I look at his receivers and the guys I want to pair him with I'm always like Keenan Allen's like getting up there in age Mike Williams is always a boomer so I'm like I'm trying to struggle like I know Justin Herbert's gonna have a crazy year and if he's if that's gonna happen then Quentin Johnson has to do something right like I guess that's kind of how I'm kind of falling back on it where. Addison's never going to be the number one with Jefferson there. He can still be productive, but never going to be the number one. JSN just has a harder, I think he has a harder barrier to climb. I think Lockett and Metcalf are better as a duo than Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and Geno Smith is not as good as Justin Herbert. So that's why I kind of lean on Quinn Johnson, especially because he's usually, in most drafts, he usually goes the latest of the three. Josh Larkey moved his ADP up here on First Class Fantasy, <laughs> I'm convinced, because he was all over him as well. Billy, talk about Jordan Addison for a second. Yeah, it's Addison for me. I just think he has the most clear, the clearest path to success, at least earlier in in the year and potentially all of 2023. Although I think I've never said I don't like Jason Smith and the Jigba's talent. I just don't like the scenario that he's in behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett 
Plus, they went out and spent the round two pick on Charbonnet, who I'm not really crazy about, but they still spent a round two pick on Charbonnet. They still have Kenneth Walker. They run some. Of the, they have some of the most 12 personnel in the league. There's some red flags with JSN. Um, I didn't really like Quentin Johnson's tape, to be frank, but again, I'm really high on Herbert, so you have to consider uh, Quentin Johnson here. The fact that he plays behind Keenan Allen, the fact that he plays behind Mike Williams, it's 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 a downgrade, but as as we know, both those players could get hurt in preseason. Both those players could get hurt on any given play, any given week with their soft tissue injuries. Um, and then that leaves it pretty wide open with just him and Palmer. And so there is at least a more direct route to success for him. That being said, Addison is also in a pass-heavy offense. They're not as pass-heavy as the Chargers, but they are top nine in the league in total pass attempts. And so I think there's an immediate route to success where he's only competing against KJ Osborne and Hawkinson now for the number two option in the passing game. I could see a scenario where he, you know, has more targets than Hawkinson, but he's probably near that target share. And I think overall, I mean, he's always going to be behind Justin Jefferson. That's that's clear and obvious. But um, when you look at the total volume inside of this offense, there's a real scenario where Justin Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, and potentially Osborne are all over 100 targets. I don't have Osborne quite there yet. I have met like 89. But again, it just speaks to the amount of volume this offense has, especially now with Cook out of the mix. That's a few more, few more. Uh, targets to be spread around amongst the team. Billy Muzio redefining lightning rounds from here on out, guys. <laughs> guys, I, I'll say I I I like all three of them. I think if I need a wide receiver three out of this group, because I put my flex from day one, it's Jordan Addison. If I have a wide receiver heavy build, I'm taking JSN. And Quinton Johnson probably has the most contingent upside because if Mike Williams or Keenan Allen goes down, you're going to have him in your lineup every week with Justin Herbert. Guys, I want to go with the, the 2022 disappointments these guys are all being drafted as wide receiver fours. Real quick, who is your favorite player to draft among Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, Gabe Davis, Michael Thomas, or Cortland Sutton? Start with Andrew. Elijah Moore for me. Love it. Billy Muzio. Mm, it's like a 50-50 between Elijah Moore and Sutton for me. It's been close. Give me Elijah Moore. He's back, everybody. That would be the ultimate if Elijah Moore outscores Amari Cooper this year. And everybody who lost money last year on Elijah Moore makes it all back this year. It'll be beautiful. Guys, in or out on Jamison Williams, you have to sit on he's he's still being drafted as wide receiver four. So you're the opportunity cost is you're passing up handcuff running backs, handcuff pluses, some interesting tight ends. Are you in or out on taking him? Do you believe the talent is so good that missing the early games is 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 worth the risk? Andrew. I'm in on Jamison Williams. I'll I'll figure out how to get through the first six weeks. Because I think he can be a, a difference maker down the stretch. We don't take zeros. Billy, are you in or out? I'm in, especially with the life hack I gave people a couple of weeks ago. You can just take him in round 11 in FFPC drafts. You can take Marvin Jones around 19 and 20, and you always have the number two in the offense. Love it. I'm in as well, um, but it has to work out structurally for me. Um, starting at pick 100 up to 115, we see an intriguing group of, of tight ends. Dalton Kincaid, Chigakonkwo, Greg Dulcich, and then two veterans, Dalton Schultz and Tyler Higby, have started to move up. Of those five players, Andrew, who are you most intrigued with? Chickaconquo. Like, that's who I want. That's the guy that I am targeting as my late round tight end. And it sucks because it seems like that's kind of the consensus. And I, I don't, that, that concerns me as we talked about earlier on the show. It's like, we're all like in on Chig. It's like, is this going to work? Is he going to hit? Especially with tight ends. Just tight ends are notoriously, they bust a lot. Like, they're not always good, good bets. So, I think that Chig would be my number one here, and then Dulcich would probably be my second guy. 
Billy. Yeah, it was Chig for me for quite some time. He's climbed now. I think this is a two-part answer for me. Upside, I'm going Chig, and for a floor, I'm probably I'm probably leaning towards Dalton Schultz, and another name is Tyler Higby. Yeah, and I'll say that that usually this is like a tier to avoid. It's like the tight end dead zone, but it's a very intriguing tier. I, I like Dalton Kincaid a lot, and I still like Chig Okonkwo. Um, and I'm not opposed to Dulcich. So I think that for me, if, if it's a structural question, but I don't think there'll be as many busts from the, in this range than there usually are. Okay, guys, around the horn here, we see all three Chicago running backs being drafted outside of RB3 right now. Who scores the most points this year in Chicago? Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, or Deonta Foreman? Andrew? Khalil Herbert. Herbert. I'll say Herbert. So, guys, is Herbert part of your draft plan right now? Not really, uh, because I don't know how much it's going to be, like how much more he's going to score points than the other guys. And I think it's a matter of he's going to rip off a couple big runs because that's how good he is. But he's not going to catch a lot of passes. I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to score at the goal line because that could be Foreman. That could be Justin Fields. So, yeah, he may be the best Bears running back, but. Is is being the RB thirty five on the ba- like? If is that a win? I don't know. So I, I'm honestly not really drafting any of them. Theo, the famous answer: He's great in best ball. I will say this though, guys. I will say that like like we've had JJ Zacharyson on first class fantasy, and the one thing that JJ talks about is the ambiguous backfields. They continually provide us winners, so we need to to. I I think that drafting a Chicago running back and taking a shot in your drafts is worth the risk because none of them are so expensive. And I think the upside is one of them finishes inside of RB two land. Um, and also we talk about one guy gets hurt. There's could be less, less, uh, less potential for multiple guys sharing the role. So I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued. I think they're going to be efficient this year as an offense. Who is your favorite handcuff to target? A number of these players have gotten steamed up uh, into the running back four range. Tank Bigsby, Jalen Warren, Elijah Mitchell, Tajay Spears or Tyler Algier, Andrew. Jalen Warren for me because I I'm most confident that he actually is the direct backup to his respective starter. Billy, it's a good it's a good um, group of names for you, Billy. It is a good group of names. I I think if if we, it's a tough one. I, I I'm going to lean Mitchell just before contingent upside. But the problem with Mitchell is that. His contingent upside could end that week because he's also very injury prone. <laughs> so Jordan it's, Mason, yeah, it's one of those things. Like man, he's got probably the highest upside of all these guys, but he also has um, the the lowest floor. So, but I'm I'm going to risk it for the biscuit here, and I'm going to say Elijah Mitchell has nothing I, to do with the red and gold back background either. Love Jalen Warren. I think he's a baller, and I think he's kind of a handcuff plus. Uh, and but I will say that Tank Bigsby, if if ETN went down, I think Tank Bigsby has the, the highest upside of these guys. Elijah Mitchell certainly has upside as well. Um, Want to look at three three running backs who are the perceived running back twos in their offense. Uh, Jamal Williams, Damian Harris, and Jer- Jerick McKinnon. Are you in on any of these three guys at ADP? I like Damian Harris a lot because it's just a matter of if they just decide that they want to give him the goal line role, they want to stop Josh Allen taking being the battering Ram. He's going to score 10, 12, 15 touchdowns, which he has already done his NFL career. So if I had to say this is going to be this year's Jamal Williams is Damian Harris. What if this year's Jamal Williams is Jamal Williams? 
You guys sell yeah so i will i i'll say that i i like jamal williams um, i'm sure billy's gonna say jamal williams i'm on james cook ahead of damian harris shout out to mike shope who i think is probably the sharpest bills guy going on the deep end um and he's on damian harris for for whatever it is so a lot of people with you they are sharp money on damian harris but i like jamal williams because i think right now you're getting the discount based on uh a kamara uh still not being suspended we'll see jamal williams jump into like that eighth round um, so I'll take shots on Jamal right now. Billy, your, your case for Jamal. Uh, I, actually, I'm leaning Damian in this group. I like oh. Jamal a lot, and I have a lot of both of these players. I mean, J- Damian Williams and Jamal are some of my two most owned running backs this year just because I like the upside of both of them. But Andrew Andrew said it. I mean, we're talking about a potential you know, 12, 13, 14 touchdown season. I joke around and say we're chasing that LeGarrette Blunt touchdown season, right? But this is a real scenario here this year with Damian Harris and potentially just being the battering ram down on the goal line. And the bill, the bills are also very familiar with Damian Harris rushing for a lot of touchdowns against them because that's what he frequently did as a Patriot, like two touchdown game, three touchdowns, the game where they never, they never threw the ball. Damian Harris was rushing for touchdowns. So I think they'll be happy to dish out the touchdown punishment this year. The other uh, thing we have to consider with Damian is he actually has the ability to catch the ball too. He hasn't done a lot of his career, but he has shown a success, success in, in doing so. And so I, I I like Damian Harris this year. I think he's a sneaky play. I have him like at five spots ahead of Jamal Williams. I like Jamal's upside as well. You, I'm not going to argue if, if whoever wants to go either way here. I think it, they're both solid picks this late in the draft. High end QB twos, guys. This is I'm going to give you a big range here. Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. It, there's a little bit of a gap here, but it's not so massive. Who is the best pick of these quarterbacks? Start with Andrew. You know, Smith. Real. Bye. I love it. Love it. He's quarterback 15 and finished last year inside the top six. I think of these guys that we love. We all, we all talked about how much we love the the weapons. Uh, I think, you know, Gino could be even better than he was last year. You just listed off all of my ownership, my highest owned quarterbacks <laughs> inside of the the FFPC. And it's because... Every single year we see quarterbacks in this area finish as a QB one, whether it be top seven, top six, top eight, it always happens. And so I think realistically can happen with any of these guys. My money though, this year's on Russell Wilson with the addition of Sean Payton to this offense. Um, I think it all comes together and we've seen Russell Wilson have a pretty consistent QB one finish. And so I think he brings it back and we can chop up last year to hack it. Yeah. And what's interesting is I think that like I mentioned, I like Dak. But we we talk about the mispricing and the group think those guys should be in this group and it should be a little bit more uh, less set in stone ADPs. Uh, favorite low end tight end two, Juwan Johnson, Sam Laporta, Gerald Everett, or Irv Smith. Which one, Andrew? Gerald Everett mm, coming off a yeah. career year and now he's cheaper. Let's go. Yeah, Bill- he's gonna he's gonna have eighty plus targets again. I'm a man on Gerald Everett. <laughs> Love it. Um, I will say I'm intrigued by Jawan Johnson though. Right now, I'm getting. I love what I'm reading. They're using him underneath. I, I think that uh, he could be sneaky this year. We saw him score a ton of touchdowns last year. I think if his role takes a step forward, I think he's an interesting player. Uh, guys, we see a cluster of handcuffed running backs uh, that are like running back fives, like super cheap. I'll say Jerome Ford. He's starting to move up, but we'll throw him in this conversation. Devin Singletary, Jerome Ford, Chuba Hubbard. Or Chase Brown? Are you? Who's your favorite of this group? Devin Singletary for me. Jerome Ford for me. 
I'll go Devin Singletary as well. I think Devin, you know, I talked about Devin Singletary, I think could be sneaky this year and he's really, really cheap guys. We managed to hit pretty much everything. We held Andrew in here for an hour and 10. You've been super, super generous with your time, Andrew. Let everybody know uh, where they can find your work and what you have coming up. Yeah, so you can find all my work over at fantasypros.com. You can find me over on the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm also on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. And I talked about it already, but busts. That's going to be coming out soon. Busts at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Also talk about process of identifying a bust and who gives off the bust vibes, essentially. You know, things to kind of stay away. Who's going off the bag, Juju. And maybe Juju will be on the list. Sneak peek. Love it. Uh, I definitely am looking forward to that one. Uh, you were super sharp today. This was great. Billy, uh, tell everybody about Man vs. Machine with with Chalk from the Undroppables. Yeah, we recorded yesterday. It's going to go live here in about an hour, actually. Uh, it's already loaded in the YouTube. Uh, go ahead and take a look at that. We took our projections and our rankings. We compared them to each other. As we compared them versus ECR, which is the expert consensus rankings over at Fantasy Pros. So um, we made sure that we were talking about both of those numbers and we uh, debated them out and talked about what could possibly happen between the running backs and the wide receivers that may shake out and change those projections into the season. So it's a great discussion. Always nice to chat with another, you know, ranker and projector and and to get a different view on things. And and iron sharpens iron is my, is my motto. Chalk is super, super sharp. And Billy and, and Chalk are both excellent rankers. So I think that'll be a, a definitely an actionable podcast. And then, uh, Billy, who who do you have on the Dominator this week? Uh, Matt's back from Barcelona. We're talking Good. Dominator. We're going to talk about uh, ADP gems. And so we're going to focus like late, late, late in drafts, like round 10 and later. We're going to get down and dirty in the dumpsters. Kenneth Gainwell, baby. I love it. And I'll say I, I debuted press coverage. I dropped two episodes this week. They're not up on the podcast yet. They'll be on Player Profiler Podcast shortly, but they're on YouTube. I had Adam Levitan. I had Sigmund Bloom. I I I. I think they went well, and I'll be uh, interested if the First Class Fantasy uh, viewers can go check those out as well. Uh, everybody have a wonderful Canada Day. Everybody will have a, a fantastic Fourth of July. Um, we're 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 churning out big big stuff all July long at Player Profiler. Stick with us all summer and have a great rest of your night. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.